Welcome. Together, we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances, or you may already have a home, a car payment, and you're struggling to get credit cards under control. Or you may be getting a late start in life on saving for retirement. ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances, whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. Hello, Mr. Chuck here. In this episode, I'm going to start talking about investing. Maybe you listened to a previous episode I did, Investing for Dummies. You have a basic understanding. And maybe you even went out and did some studying on your own and gained some more knowledge, which is always a good thing. I'm going to assume that if you're thinking about getting started investing, if it's not a 401k through work or your own IRA, if you're self-employed or don't have a retirement plan through work, that you have your credit card debts under control or you at least have a plan and you're working on getting your credit cards under control and some of your other loans and debt under control. You have a emergency fund built up to the point where you feel comfortable that you can start investing in the market. I got a couple articles today, and they're going to be in my show notes. The first one is how to start investing, seven simple steps. And the second one is how to become an above average investor. If you're just an average investor, you're not going to beat the market. In fact, very few people ever beat the market. So we're going to start with how to start investing, seven simple steps. You want your money to start working for you so that you don't have to. That is the premise on why you want to invest. As Ben Franklin famously said, the money that earns money earns money. Have you ever seen a rich middle-aged dudes with white hair and loafers who look so chilled when walking around the mall? The reason they look so chill is that they have money making money somewhere and they don't have to think about it. They enjoy life while they build wealth. Well, building wealth through investing is one way. The other way to build your wealth and net worth is to reduce your debt. That's why this podcast is called Reduce Debt, Increase Wealth. There's two ways to increase your wealth. Reducing your debt through investing, having your money work for you. And there's two popular myths about investing. Investing's complicating and investing's gambling, which both of those are not true. It's not really complicated and it's not really gambling. You may think it's complicated because you're lesser informed. The more knowledge you gain about investing, the easier it will become. It's not gambling because you control the amount of risk that you take while you do your investing. Investing isn't gambling because you can control the amount of risk that you take. And there's Anything, everything you can invest in that goes up over time from art, 
cryocurrency to tax liens. And but the three most secure investments are stocks, bonds, and real estate. If you own your own home, or if you're paying for your own home and buying your home, you already have one of these investments, real estate. Your home will go up over time. If you take good care of it, you maintain it, and it's in a good location, it will increase in value over time. And that is one, your first investment. So you really are not new to investing. You're just maybe not aware that you're investing in your home, which is real estate. Stocks, bonds is a different thing. But before you can even start figuring out what to invest in, you need to figure out how much you can invest. Can you put $50 a pay, $10 a pay? If you have a budget and you're putting money into a savings account, you have your emergency fund built up, you pretty much are aware of how much money you have available to invest. This is money that you will not be needing in the immediate future, say the least. So, and then you got to set up what are your goals? Why are you investing for? Are you investing for retirement? That would be your 401k through work. That would be an IRA if you're self-employed or an IRA if you don't have any retirement plans through work. So that would be your step. Now, if you got a 401k through work, the minimum amount you should be investing is what your employer is matching. If your employer is matching 3%, you should be putting in 3% of your gross pay. If your employer is matching 5%, you should be matching 5% of your gross pay because whatever you put in, your employer is matching, it's doubling the amount that you are investing why are you not doing it if you have a retirement plan through work and if your employer is matching you're just giving away money that's free money that's money the employer is willing to pay you for doing the same amount of work that you're already doing so why aren't you doing it and within a 401k you're going to be limited to what items you can invest in, but you need to do your homework. You need to study and gain knowledge of all the investments that you can invest in, which ones are better. Some are better than the others. What's your risk tolerance and what's your long-term strategy? You want to, the younger you are, the higher risk you should be able to take and more towards stocks the older you get the less risk tolerance and a greater percentage to bonds you can go and read articles on the internet or anywhere else that gives you templates of what you should be investing in and the key word to this is diversification if you put all your eggs in one basket and you drop the basket, and you break all the eggs, you're not going to have any eggs left. What you should be doing is pick out 
three items in your 401k, three investments that you think are maybe the best possible based on your risk tolerance. And if you're putting, let's say, $10 a pay in, $3 in A, $3 in B, $4 in C. Now you're diversified. You got your money spread out. You might think it'll take longer, but in time it won't. If you increase the amount that you're putting in there, then you put the $4 in a different one and three and three. And then if you add another $10, so you're up to $30, you're putting $10 in each one of them and on you go. That is key to being successful is diversification. Because the market, you never know what it's going to do. Sometimes tech stocks are doing really great and everything else not so good. So you want to have some in tech. And then when the tech stocks are not down, maybe growth stocks are doing good. So you need some in growth. So if you balance that out, whatever's up, you're getting advantage. Whatever is not up, you're not losing a whole lot and it evens out. So your drops in when the market drops, say 10 points, you're only going to drop maybe five points. So your drops will be less, your gains will be less, but it's going to even out over time. Remember this long-term investment. If you're going to have some short-term goals, say in less than five years, you need to keep that money in a savings account. You can go with a high-yield savings account or a money market, which sometimes a high-yield savings account is a money market, and a money market is every share is worth a dollar no matter what the value is, and when it goes up, that's just a gain. When it goes, you know, pays you interest, it just usually pays higher rate of interest sometimes. If you're going to be even longer than that, and remember, this is money, it's easy, it's liquid. You can get to it fairly easy. So it can help you with your emergency fund. Just think as your emergency fund is bigger than what it actually is. So you got emergency fund and then you got a high yield savings account that you don't want to touch. Once you get that build up, say to $5,000, maybe you can look at certificate of deposits and you want to do what they call a ladder approach. A six month yield. You know, it matures in six months, then the next one matures in one year, and the next one matures in 18 months. Every six months, you have a CD maturing, and then you can just roll it over and just keep the flow going. So every six months, it's going to mature, you're going to reinvest it, and on and on you go. So that way, if you need access to that money, the worst you have to wait is six months and you can get to some of the money without having to pay early withdrawal penalties. Then your long-term investments, five plus years in the future, you already have your retirement set up through work. So you're doing good there. A lot of new investors will get into index funds with a set retirement date. So they look in the future, when can I retire? My full social security age is when I'm 67. That year is what the index fund you should be targeting 
And then the fun, you just put the money in, set it and forget it. The younger you are, the more aggressive they'll be invested. The older you get, the less aggressive. So it does all that for you and they'll follow some index or something. I'm not really sure. After a while, if you're studying and you're gaining more knowledge and you get more comfortable in investment, you can always sell that and reapply the reinvest the money in a, a better strategy that maybe could give you a little bit better gain. You're not always stuck in what you buy if you put it in an index fund. It could be in there for five years. You can sell it at any time. You don't have to wait till you're 67 to get the money. You can sell it and reinvest it. As your level of knowledge increases, you're going to be more confident. The more confident, then you can start picking maybe some mutual funds on your own. You know about diversification. You know which ones are doing better than other ones. And maybe your risk tolerance went up a little bit. You can assume more risk because you're confident that you know, market's not going to die and you're not going to lose all your money all once. Four, pick what goes in your long-term retirement investment accounts. And that's what we just talked about. Invest as much money as you can in tax advantage accounts. Taxes are the biggest drain on your investment returns, so you want to minimize your taxes as much as possible. And a good idea is to learn about taxes. How does your taxes affect your investments? So if you have in, in a retirement account, it's not going to affect your taxes. It's all tax-free. The money that you put in there it's going to be tax-free. You're not going to pay income tax on it. You'll pay Social Security and Medicare tax on it or self-employment tax for the self-employed, but you're not going to pay federal or state income tax on it. When you take the money out upon retirement, then you're going to pay taxes, and then you can control how much you take out versus how much taxes you're going to pay. If you have investments that are not in a retirement, then you need to know about the tax problems that that could create. If you buy something low and you sell it high, because that's what you are always wanting to do, you have a capital gain. What's my taxes going to be on that capital gain? Dividend income, interest income. What's my taxes going to be on that income? So you can go to the irs.gov, look up a publication, I'm sure you can just do a search, find investments maybe. Capital gains would definitely be one. And you can get publications that explain and give you examples on the tax consequences of things that you're going to do. If you want to be a day trader, then you definitely need to know how the taxes are going to affect you. And number six, invest early, often, and as much as you can. The earlier you start investing, earlier I mean the younger, the more time you're going to have and time is on your side. Because over time, the stock market's going to go up. If I told you in previous episodes, 
that if you look at the market from day to day, it's going to be up, down, up, down, up, down. But if you look over a time period, it's going to be a gradual slope up, either at 6%, 7%, 8% gain over 10 or 20 years. Some years that could be a 20% gain. Some years it could be a 10% loss. But over time, it's going to even itself out and be either 6 to 8%, somewhere in that ballpark. So as your money grows, certain investments you make may grow faster than other ones. So you need to rebalance your accounts at least once a year. What I mean by rebalancing is you, whichever one, let's say that you have three accounts that each should be 33% of your investment. But one has done really well and now it's 50% of the investment. So you need to sell off some of those and take that money and put it in the other two so that you can balance out your percentages of what you got invested so you can remain diversified across the board. And you need to keep track of your investments. If you just check it once a quarter, that's every three months, every six months, or once a year, you're going to get statements from your investor service. So you just need to look at and see how they're doing. Maybe look to see how other investments are doing. Maybe you can change them around and fine-tune it so you can get a little bit better return. Knowledge is key to everything. So the more knowledge you have, the better off you're going to be. Now, my second is really not an article, but it's from an asset management company. It's online. It's my second link. The five key characteristics of a good investor. An average investor uses his money to inv and invests the rest. A good investor invests his money and uses the rest. I guess as an average investor, you pay all your bills and you live life. And if you have money left over, you invest it. But if you're going to be a good investor, you're going to invest your money first and then live on what's remaining. That's what that means. And investing is a risk versus return game. Well, some have made millions, many have lost as well. And learn the key characteristics of a good investor so you can become one. And number one is goal setting. Failing to plan is planning to fail. A good investor will always have a clear goal. It's very important to have a plan to achieve this, the goal. Variations most likely tend to divert an investor from the agenda. Having a plan of action within a defined period of time for a particular return on investment is a sign of a good investor. They are prepared for the uncertainty of the market. Well, the plans are usually made considering both sides. What they're saying here, when before you buy an investment, how long are you going to hold it? Are you going to hold it for 12 months, 24 months, five years? You know, what's your plan? If, if it goes down, well, you have to have a plan for if you lose money. How much are you willing to lose? If you're going to lose 10%, are you going to sell it when it loses 10%? Or are you going to hold on and hope it goes up? A good investor has a plan, an overall plan, from before you buy it 
to what happens while you're holding it during the holding period that you plan on keeping it to the end of when you want to sell it. Then what are you going to do with the money after you sell it? That is a plan. Knowledge. When you know better, you do better. Besides utilizing time to the best, a good investor possesses knowledge of the market. See, he or she understands the positions of funds and has researched about the company investment investment strategy and philosophy. You need to know where your money is being utilized. A good investor analyzes the growth pattern of the company over the years from genuine sources. On the accounts of the anticipation and knowledge, a good investor will have a defined plan for exit point as well. An active learner who's open to make right choices on the basics of genuine of knowledge is a good investor. Right decision. Listen to the world, but do what is right. A good investor knows the time they keep an eye on current scenarios in the market. They update their knowledge about market activities and growth. Having a sound understanding of trends enable the investors to overlook their plans and decide the terms of investment. Having an understanding of current trends and company positions makes one a good investor. They own their mistakes and learn not to make them again. It's not necessary that the good investor jumps into the trends. He or she just does what is right. And what is right for you may not be what the trend is. Patience. Keep calm and carry on. Over the period of time, a good investor creates wealth due to his patience. It's probably the finest quality to have. A good investor has faith in his plans. They usually do not feel about the 10% downtick. They would rather sit tight and celebrate the 100% uptick. They are persistent about sticking to the plans. They usually do not get into the buy and sell trends. Patience. Remember, if you're going to buy low and sell high, you're going against the current trend. And when everybody is selling, the prices are going to be dropping, and that's buy low. When everybody is buying, that's when the prices are going up, and that's when you should be selling. So patience. Don't go with the trends. Maybe it's better to go against the trend. Risk aversion. Know thyself. Good investor knows the inherited risk in investing. They understand their plans and analyze their expected returns. Being risk averse is a quality shaped by experience, knowledge, and confidence over the above mentioned key characteristics. So know yourself, be patient, and understand everything that you're doing. Okay, we covered over a little bit of information there. You might be wondering, do I need a stockbroker? How do I make these investments? How do I buy stocks and bonds? Well, if it's through a 401k or an IRA, your 401k is already set up for you through your work. You probably, they already have a stockbroker or a somebody that's managing their plans for them. When you set up an IRA, you would go and have a trustee. 
If you go to a bank, they'll want you to put it in, you know, certificates of deposit. If you go to a stockbroker, then they'll set an IRA up for you so that you can invest in stocks and bonds. So it depends on where you <clears throat> go to set up an IRA. If you're not too excited about dealing with a person, then the robo-advisor is probably for you. If you're a little bit timid or don't have the time to go talk to a stockbroker or you don't have enough money where a financial advisor will take you on as a client, then a robo-advisor is good because you download an app to your smartphone or a computer it has a lot of information in there, and you can pick what you want to invest in. You can set up your reoccurring investments. You know, how much money you want to come out of your checking account every week or every pay. You can do all that without even talking to anybody. Most of these robo-advisors uh, have a retirement plan option, and they have a non-retirement plan option. As you read their educational series and learn about investing, then you can be more aggressive and more confident in what you're doing. So I highly recommend for those starting out with one, put a little bit of money in, you can start at very little, as low as $5. And you can put in $5 a week, $5 a pay, or, or even more if you want, and that'll get you started in the investment world. Then when you get up to ten dollars or $15,000, then you can go and set up an appointment with a financial advisor and be more willing to talk to you maybe. Go from there. They can, you can sell these investments at any time in the future. You're not stuck with them. You can remember investing in the market is long-term. If you make a mistake and invest in something that maybe is not doing very well, you can always sell it and maybe after six months or a year or two years. So you're, it's very open. A robo-advisor investor app will do all those things for you. So check them out on the internet and you probably will be happy you did so. That's the end of another episode. I hope you found it useful. And if you'd like to share this episode with your friends, please do so. I'm open for any suggestions for improvement or for information that you would like to talk about in future episodes. You can go to my Facebook page and leave me a message. I am more than glad to respond. To find my Facebook page, go to ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com and click on the Facebook icon. 